Anton Zalatni. And I'm Tefera Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's There's no no such such thing thing as as bad food. food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. So we have a special treat ready for you guys today. This week on the show, we have a whole episode about making fresh cheese, which is exciting and not something that either of us had done before this week and Mm -hmm. continues to be something that only one of us has done this week. (laughs) Arguably. I have arguably done fresh cheese before, but we can talk about that more later. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, you've done it now for sure. I have done it now for sure. <laughs> Arguably or not. Uh, and I still have not because I, uh, I was a bit of a, a mess this week. Uh, but all of that aside, we are very excited to have a special guest joining us for the first half of the episode, uh, the one and only Alexis Cobham from Cheesemaker.ca. Alexis runs a company called Cheesemaker that sends cheesemaking kits to people to make cheese in their own homes. So uh, you're going to hear me chatting with Alexis for a little while about, you know, her journey with all of the exciting world of cheesemaking and about the uh, variety of products that are offered at Cheesemaker. And then uh, they actually were kind enough to send us a kit as a sample. So uh, Teffer in the second half is going to tell me a little bit about the experience of making fresh cheese, a thing that I was looking forward to doing and then unfortunately uh, just got my butt kicked by work and exhaustion levels being through the roof. Uh, And so Teffer took that one and... uh, Made, I think, some super tasty ricotta, so... Uh, Do you think it's tasty, or do you think I made it? I think it's tasty. Okay. Yeah. Good, 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 cool. I think it's tasty, too. I also think it's tasty. That's it. Uh, So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Here is that interview now. So, my guest today on this episode of No Bad Food is none other than Alexis Cobham, one of the co-owners of Cheesemaker, a company that sends cheesemaking kits to people all throughout the country. Alexis, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, let's get right into it. I would love to hear about, you know, your life as a person who, you know, eats and makes food and kind of how it brought (laughs) you to the world of (laughs) cheesemaking. That's a very good question. It was it was unexpected and really happened quite organically. Um, but yeah, I love food. So I'm from Victoria on the um, Vancouver Islands and moved to Vancouver to do uh, my BA in English at SFU. While I was there, I took a year off in between second and third year to live in Kenya for about a year and while I was there got really into learning about people who had started their own small businesses there was a lot of talk at the time about microloans and 
I got really into it. I obviously, I love food and I ate everything that I could, everything that was given to me, even, you know, goat intestines and eyeballs. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty wild stuff. Um, came back from a really amazing year in Africa and uh, finished my degree. And I had this idea, I thought this thought that I was um, really going to get into um helping other entrepreneurs start businesses, learn more about what it's like to become an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, get into the world of microloans. And, and I just, I had this idea that I was going to go back and, and to Africa and do all this stuff. So I, I figured, well, if I'm going to help other people with their businesses, I better learn what it's like to run my own business. Sure. So yeah, because, you know, I felt like that was pretty logical. I thought about it for like a day and I was like, well, what would be a good business for me to run? <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe something to do with food. Um, cause I love food and, um, I grew up cooking. I grew up in, um, a family that loved cooking. My dad loved cooking. My, he loved being in the kitchen. He always was making all sorts of concoctions and it just felt really easy and natural to me. So I was like, okay, great. I'll choose food. And I thought, well, um, maybe I should learn how to, you know, cook professionally because I know how to cook at home. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I thought it might be a good idea for me to take a course of some sort. And so I found myself in a eight month program at the I'm not sure if they changed their name. It's at the time it's called the Northwest Academy Academy of uh, Culinary uh, Arts in Vancouver. And so I, and I was like, okay, I'm in. So I, I took like a program to get a professional cul- culinary certification. And we learned everything from making sauces uh, from scratch to bread and uh, how to cook meat and seafood. And it was just like a very crash course of how to do, how to lit, work and, and be in the industry. Sure. Yeah. So I kind of, I, I became all things food. And the whole time I, I thought was, oh, I'm going to, build a business or learn how to run business and then take this away back to Africa or I'm going to do like, you know, those other big vision. Mm-hmm. And, but I got really, really into the things I was making and it was just like what I lived and breathed for a while. And, um, while I was in school, a good friend of mine was living on a farm in Alberta and she was like making all sorts of things like yogurt and butter and kefir and cheese. And I was in culinary school and I was trying everything new. I was like, you know, just really learning. And I went to visit her and I was like, oh, you're like sprouting seeds in your kitchen and you're like making yogurt. And I was like, wow, we're not really learning anything about this in our culinary school. Can you show me? Mm -hmm. So she kind of started teaching me and showing me uh, what she was doing. And I was learning just on the side. And then I brought back some of the information to my, the culinary school I was going to and um, I was like, hey, guys, I learned how to make cheese. <laughs> and they were like, cool. And there was a pretty small program. I think there was only, I don't know, 20 or 25 of us in the program. And and so I was kind of sharing what I'd learned. And it was a really like, um, I really appreciated the environment because the teachers were really open to learning from the students and the, the backgrounds and the ex- education and experience they, they brought. Cool. So we all got to kind of share. So I got to teach cheese making in front of the class which was incredible and i had this idea as i was teaching it um that you know maybe i could like teach cheese making to people just as something fun on the side because you know i'm still a student and i kind of need to like 
um, you know, make some money. And I had the idea that I was going to open up like a food, maybe catering business, or maybe I was going to do like high-end lunches or sandwiches when I was done, try to really get into a business, like an actual business and run a business. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, cool, maybe I'll just teach cheese making. It's such a niche idea, but it seemed like it was something that could be feasible. So I started contacting kitchens in the lower mainland, um, a lot of places that were a bit more rural because A, they often had like amazing access to milk because a lot of them were like micro dairies uh, that were starting up and they also had larger kitchens and space to have a class where everyone could bring their own pot and uh, have space to actually make cheese. And so I would start teaching cheese making classes and sometimes I would teach just one or two cheeses and other times I would do like a full day or a weekend and we would do like five cheeses over the course of the the weekend and it was so much fun and the students at the end of it were like okay so how do I keep making cheese at home and I was like oh yeah good question (laughs) so I was like well okay and I grabbed some of the bits and pieces and the materials that I thought were needed and I kind of put them together in a package and started giving them to the students and then I thought well this is a I need idea maybe I can like build some kind of a kit um, to give to people at the end of my sessions mm-hmm. um, so that they can continue on and it was kind of this crazy idea that I just fell into and in the meantime I was still I now graduated from culinary school um, I was um, I'd started my catering business and that was kind of what brought me there I um, this was like a period of like you know uh, three to five years where I was doing a whole bunch of different things. But then as my little cheese uh, making kits and teaching, like I was teaching quite a lot as well on the side, I went to UBC and taught at a farm there. And I was, you know, just making all these really cool connections and teaching in all sorts of different capacities. And yeah, and so as that started to grow, I was like realizing that this little niche business was was actually becoming less niche. <laughs> and I started focusing on the the DIY culture and over the years just on the side kept um building it and growing it until eventually met my husband and he eventually joined the business and so we kind of run it together and now we've been doing it full time for the last uh 5 years and it's been thriving. That's amazing. I love I love that it kind of stemmed from a place of just wanting to help people do things like Mm. both both from the teaching side of it and from the like you know going on your trip to Africa and like realizing like oh I could be helping people like make their dreams come true and then Mm. like following your own passions a little bit making your own dreams come true and realizing like oh I could be helping people make their cheese dreams come true as well like finding (laughs) finding that kind of uh that I see that like shared spirit between those two things that kind of drove you there. And I think that's really neat. Absolutely. And I had a lot of thoughts after because I was like, well, my whole goal was supposed to go back to Africa. And I actually did a few times Hmm. and I'd made very close connections with people there and and shared a lot of what I was learning at the time. But I, I never really fulfilled that original I guess because in my, I was doing all this, I was in my early 20s, and then suddenly I was in my mid-20s, and then I was in my late 20s, and suddenly I'm like, oh, I, you know, I've had student loan debt from being, you know, four years in university, and then another year in culinary school, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I better start paying off my 
<laughs> and before I, I do it, and then before I knew it, um, I had sort of taken a completely different path. But you know, I, I found, like you said, I found ways to to give back in other ways, and it's been um, really fun um, seeing other people's passions for food of all sorts, especially with the cheese. Um, man, we we get the best clients and the best feedback from people who have bought our kits and they just do the most wonderful things. You know, we have a, a cheddar kit that I built to teach people how to make cheddar at home. And um, it makes like 10 batches per kit and you get about a wheel, which is about a pound of cheese. And this one person, you know, usually people will make it over the course of a year or their 10 batches or like it lasts, like the ingredients last about two years. Sure. So we'll get feedback from people, but this like one client or this one customer who just went wild and I think made all 10 batches in the period of a month and <laughs> sent us photos and like, look what I made. And we're like, wow, <laughs> like just so excited, so enthusiastic to, to experiment and learn. And um, I think he even used like chocolate milk. <laughs> oh, oh, it's just really funny. But like, weird. <laughs> I could see that being okay, a chocolate milk cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, we had a little mascarpone kit for a while because mm. we used to do like we've experimented with a lot of different, you know, how do we how do we make this accessible to people and what are the most popular ones to start with and then mm. how do we choose the next one and so we've had all these varieties or we had a variety kit and it was like a lot of like like very 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 simple fresh cheeses and it did fairly well, but we we kind of pared it down to like five main kits, and one of them was mascarpone. And I was like, you know what, you probably could do like, you know, chocolate milk with that because it's kind of a dessert cheese. So. Yeah, it's it's sweet enough already. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the different recipe kits that you guys have. So you guys were nice enough to send us a bunch of the recipe booklets and uh, and the materials needed to make the mozzarella and ricotta. So we're going to be, uh, Teffer and I are going to be tackling that. But I'm looking here and it looks like in addition to the mozzarella and ricotta, you have a feta and goat cheese making kit. We got a poutine cheese making kit and a farmhouse cheddar cheese kit. And then uh, I'm intrigued by this one. There's a vegan cheese kit, which... Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that that's like a territory I've never thought to to go into before, but uh, maybe I'll have to give that a shot just to just to kind of see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that one was um was one of our more recent kits, and uh, I can yeah I can talk uh, more about that later how that came about. But again, it was just it was kind of an um, organic thing. Mm -hmm. The whole point is uh, that people have never made cheese before, so they get to try something new they get to experiment they get to have a unique experience and the kit is just supposed to be a really easy way to access that so mm. most people um, a lot of people that are like real homesteaders will no problem like they'll go seek out their own ingredients and recipe and that's awesome and you know we have lots of people we connect with that will you know just buy some ingredients but um, for the majority of, the, of people who um, love the idea of just doing something different you know it's like maybe something like a date night something fun to do with their um, partner or um, like I have a lot of friends who have their own little hobby farms and um, they'll have they've got kids and it's just you know another experience um, to teach children about food and mm -hmm. um, because once you start talking about cheese making you can't help but talk about milk and then you can't right. really help but talk about farms and it's like it's all connected 
Yeah. And it's all part of the education and experience. And so, yeah, it's usually people are like either really scared of it and can't comprehend what on earth, like how on earth cheese is made. <laughs> Other people, they just get it and they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, my, my grandmother used to make this weird cheese. Because <laughs> all cultures all over the world have their own versions of their own fresh cheese. You know, right. Obviously all throughout Europe and Mexico and South America. You know, it's it's actually not as difficult as people think, especially fresh cheeses, because they aren't really meant to be aged all that long and you're not growing mold or mm -hmm. getting into like the full-on chemistry of, of cheese making. But the fresh ones are really satisfying because you can literally make fresh mozzarella, like bocconcini style cheese in like an hour. Right. And it's amazing. So to have that great reward at the end of your efforts, plus like a huge amount of learning is pretty fun for people. The key thing is knowing a little bit about milk. That's my tip for you is when you get your chance to make the mozzarella, you know, we often recommend using a milk that is the least processed because okay. the more milk is processed, like it goes through pasteurization, which of course is illegal in Canada to have unpasteurized milk, so you right. have to pasteurize it. And then, but then usually what companies do to sustain the shelf life is, you know, they homogenize it and then they skim it. And so all these stages removes like really essential bacteria and mm -hmm. fat that you really do need for cheese making. Yeah. So we do, we always have a section in our recipe booklets to talk a bit about milk and what the best type of milk is for cheese making. Usually we recommend getting the non-homogenized or the cream on top milk because mm -hmm. it's just been through way fewer stages of processing and it makes it so much easier to make cheese with it and it has just the best flavor. You also get a higher yield. So if you use like lower fat milk, you just don't get as much out of it. What I'm hearing here is non-homogenized, <laughs> non-pasteurized if you can find it, but you probably won't be able to yeah. if you're in Canada and the fatter, the better. You got it. <laughs> okay. I mean, that all sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a holistic, it's, you know, back to the way it used to be. You can find raw milk and it's not, you're not allowed to buy or sell it. Um, but again, those people that have hobby farms, um, it's just perfect for them. If they've got their own goats, cows, sheep, whatever, um, it's amazing if you can access that or get your hands on some. But the next best thing is for sure the whole fat, non-homogenized, because non-homogenized milk has a higher like 4.5 or even 5% milk fat. So it's just delicious. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. In, in my experience, the more fat something has, the better it's going to taste just kind of across the that's board. Right. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I know cheese making is chemistry and therefore science and therefore, you know, everything is mm -hmm. measurable. But every time that I'm looking at fancy cheeses at the store and I see that they can tell you the exact moisture and, and milk fat content <laughs> by percentage of a given cheese, I'm like, can you really guarantee that? Are you really telling right. me this is like 47%? Like, what, what does that even mean, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's such a good point because this is what I tell people all the time is that um, you're actually trying to, um, it, like you said, it is a science, but it's also an art. And when you have those two um, together, it really, you can't, you can't um, fit it into one box. It, it, it's as much of an art and an artistic, uh, creative experience and process as it is a, a very rigorous. And I know we love to manufacture everything. Uh, we love to, and of course, a lot of cheese is very mass produced. So they probably can get it down to the, you know, percentage of mm -hmm. what, yeah, humidity, moisture, 
firmness, age, all of that stuff. But this is why I love the, the homemaking experience because that it's just so much more natural um, as much as it can be with milk that you buy at the store. <laughs> but yeah, it's so much more of a creative artistic process, which I love as well as the, the learning and the, the fun of the science behind it. So yeah, it's a good point. I'm curious what you think, because for me, when I hear fresh mozzarella, I immediately go, you know, pizza or like maybe putting it in like a nice sandwich or in a caprese salad. Is there anything that you specifically using like the mozzarella from your kits? Is there anything that you've been like, oh, this is perfect? You know, what's your what's your go to for fresh cheese? Mm, that's a good question, because, yeah, everyone's everyone's got their different way or your unique way of making it. First of all, I know that is like the go-to is like, okay, let's let's put it in something or let's mix it with something else and get our, yeah, the caprese salad is so classic because it's, I mean, it's so fresh with the basil and tomato mm-hmm. and balsamic and it's so good and it's really fun to make it. But I always, I just have to start with this. I always say, you know what? When are you ever eating fresh cheese straight out of the pot? Yes. Almost like never. You, you go... <laughs> And you buy it at the store, the cheese has been sitting in the liquid for like, you know, a couple of days, even if you're getting those like really, you know, um, gourmet, giant matzo balls, bocconcini balls, that's great. But when are you ever eating fresh from the pot uh, cheese? Never. So we always say like, just eat the cheese on its own, like appreciate (laughs) it for how warm it is. And you've just spent an hour and a half making this and um, you know, people are always testing and playing around with salt or whatever it is. So, um, and we always encourage people to eat your cheese at every different stage of the process, you mm. know, because it is going to, um, it's going to change texture, consistency, flavor, all of that stuff. And that's a really fun thing uh, to be able to to sort of test at every, every stage. So um, people are always afraid. People are always like, can I eat my cheese yet? And we're like, yes. <laughs> This is what you're doing it for, the freshness. But yeah, so we always we always say right away, eat your cheese right away, um, salted, unsalted, uh, whatever. But yeah, that's, it's such a good question. I mean, there are so many. Um, my So my husband's part Italian. He grew up, um, his dad's Italian, and um, he grew up in Windsor, Ontario, and it's a very, very large Italian community, so he's all about food. So I think he's probably a little bit more um, experimental than I am when it comes to our cheese. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, he he puts it in everything. Sure. Um, but yeah, like he, we we love to make French onion soup, so we'll often take the fresh mozzarella that we've just made and like melt it on top of our fresh onion, uh, uh, French onion soup, which is so good. Yeah. Um, so that sounds you amazing. Can get it nice and bubbly on the top. It's so good. That's a really good one for like the fall and winter. And of course we love to put it on our pizza. Um, we always do homemade. It, it, the mozzarella is really popular for people that are really into making their own pizza dough. Um, you know, they grow their own tomatoes and make their own fresh sauce, tomato sauce, and um, they grow have basil plants. And so they're like, oh my gosh, they can make the cheese too. So it, it's like a, that's always a fun one because you, you have to be able to use your cheese. And then we have little tips. So for people that make their own pizza dough, you can actually take the leftover whey. So, um, oh. you know, the process of making mozzarella. Yeah, it's a fun little so process of making mozzarella is taking your milk and basically separating the curds from the whey. So just like, you know, Miss Muffet, when she was eating her curds and whey, it's, it's the separation of the milk fat, which is all the white fat, and then from the liquid whey. And the whey has all the protein, and that's where all, like a lot of most of the lactose is in it. And so 
you could actually, once you've made your cheese and drained all the whey out of it, and it's become like actual cheese, uh, all that leftover whey can be used in all of your recipes. So we and we encourage people and suggest that if you're making your pizza dough, just use the whey instead of water. Um, oh. And it has like it's such a great yeah, it's different like like better texture, fluffier texture. And then you can use it in anything. So you can use it as like a soup stock, like a base for a soup, or if you're doing like a cream of mushroom or something. You know, I use it, obviously, whey protein is huge in smoothies, which is just dehydrated whey. Sure. So you can add it to a smoothies. Um, you know, any baking you do, like crepes or um, pancakes or something, is always awesome to add. Or muffins, you know, what, whatever it is you're kind of doing. Yeah, so that's it's a nice little tip to, that, to not throw away your... And you can uh, freeze the whey after. So if you, if you want, it's really, really easy to freeze and thaw again. So you can use it for later, but yeah. So I think my my husband's a little bit more creative than me, but yeah, you can't you can't you never go wrong with a fresh caprese salad and some amazing fresh pizza dough and fresh cheese on your pizza. So. Yeah, I I had yeah. forgotten about French onion soup as like an option yeah. even, but that's such a yes. that's such an exciting thing, especially like we just had our first couple weeks of you know bone chilling cold here and like mm. it's soup season, you know. Yeah, and French onion is so easy to make, and people, um, I you know it's often uh, forgotten about. Maybe it was mm. like I don't know, it was a thing of the eighties or in the nineties, but. Um, I don't even feel like they serve it as much in restaurants anymore. But um, yeah, it's like one of our favorite things to do is just, uh, yeah, get those nice caramelized onions mm -hmm. and like add just enough like reduction or, you know, red wine vinegar or whatever it is you're going to make your base with. But yeah, it's such a great. And then, of course, you can have it with um, if you if that's not filling enough, you can always have it with your grilled cheese sandwich next to it. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's the move, right? Is that you make a grilled yeah. cheese with the fresh mozzarella, you yeah, put some yeah. on top of the soup, but then also when you're making the base for the soup, you put a little bit of that whey in there as well. Get your uh, right. get you your mozzarella it. three yeah, ways. Whole, <laughs> yes, that's right. The whole that way everything is used. <laughs> Alexis, thank you. This is really exciting. I'm like, I'm actually like, I'm I'm geeking out a little bit about the the prospect of getting to do this once I'm feeling a little better. And I'm so thankful that you guys reached out and that you sent us this kit to uh, to be able to do this ourselves. Um, thank you for making the time to call in and chat about it as well, and uh, for sharing all those cool tips. I think this is. Uh, I hope the people at home get a lot out of this as well. I'm feeling like I got a lot out of this at the very least. So if you're listening to this and you also feel that way, you know, shoot them a message. Uh, let uh, let the cheesemaker team know. You guys are on social media, right? We have. Yeah, we are. We have a uh, Instagram, Facebook account, and then our website, just cheesemaker.ca. Amazing. We'll, uh, we'll link to all of that in the description of this episode as well for ease of access. Yeah, go check out what they're doing. Get yourself a kit. Make yourself some cheese. Tell me how it goes. I'm very excited to be uh, to be going on this journey now and giving this a shot. And the thing that I'm finding just absolutely wild that I don't know if it's been mentioned yet is that the kits you send out have enough ingredients in them minus the milk for what is it like 40 50 batches yeah so i know um it's the for the mozzarella um it yeah you can make 40 batches of cheese from the mozzarella kit which is pretty wild um it has a five-year shelf life and you get a pound per batch so um we just decided to give like tons of ingredients you know they're they're shelf stable uh for for quite a few years and um, it's the, the mozzarella kit doesn't have a bacteria, inactive bacteria culture. 
um, where the other kids do. So the poutine, which is really just squeaky cheese curds, like the <laughs> real, um, you know, fresh squeaky cheese, which is amazing also. Um, that has a bacteria culture, same with the farmhouse cheddar and the feta and goat kit. So um, those have like a two-year shelf life because, just mostly because of the bacteria culture. Sure. And those all make 10 batches. So you can you can do up to 10 uh, and um, and then really what you're doing is just rebuying the ingredient, like just the culture packet and maybe a little bit of the rennet, um, which is like the main enzyme that you need to separate the curds and whey. So you can just rebuy those and it replenishes the kit. Mm -hmm. um, so you can make quite a lot um, at the first purchase and then um, just rebuy the ingredients when you're done. But yeah, the mozzarella, we uh, mostly people just buy a kit to give as a gift for someone else. Sure. Um, and their kit will last quite a long time. But yeah, you get lots of batches. This is so cool. I'm, I'm looking on your website yeah. now as well. And like the prices are crazy reasonable too for the value that you get. Yeah. Like. The, I'm seeing yeah. the cheapest one, it's $45. The most expensive is 65 But like, bear in mind, people, like, this is giving you enough stuff that you can make a ton of cheese with it, right? Like, to pay $50 mm -hmm. for 40 batches of mozzarella, like, that's... Yeah. I don't want to tell you how many individual balls of mozzarella $50 will get you if you come into my store tomorrow because then you'll never yeah. come in and buy mozzarella from me. But it's it's a lot less than 40 I'll tell you that much. So true. I know. Cheese is so expensive. Um, and uh, yeah, you're doing the work, but like it's fun. And so it's still... Yeah, I, we, we really wanted to make it like um, not only an amazing experience, something fun, but also really affordable. And they're just such awesome gifts for people usually Christmas obviously does really well um you know because it's like give literally give the gift of cheese like give the kids <laughs> a, like a unique experience um some people will buy a kit and then make all the cheese and then give that made cheese to people which I love and uh and lots of people just buy and give the kit to someone else as like hey let's do this together in the future like let's set a date and you know for new year's or whatever even like lots of people will buy it as like a family gift and they'll do it and like uh, like make a fondue or like do something fun together at, at like a family event. So there's yeah so many so many great uh, uses out of it. And uh, yeah, and then because we give so many batches, you can be really experimental. Um, we're we're eventually going to. You mentioned you work in an Italian restaurant, which is amazing. I'm assuming you probably bring in a lot of burrata because that's such yeah uh, such an Italian <laughs> favorite, right? <laughs> Um, and so we're eventually going to be adding the burrata uh, component to the mozzarella and ricotta uh, kit because it's such a delicious, fancy cheese. Um, but you can actually even do it already. Like there's different ways of making the burrata. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the quick way would be to make your ricotta first. And then when you've made the mozzarella, you can stuff it with the ricotta and that and soak it in cream and all that and make a sort of a version of it. So folks at home, check this out. Hit the link in the description to uh, to check out the Cheesemaker website and uh, see if you can get yourself a kit. Plan it for your next party, you know? Do it with your, your partner, your kids, or your coworkers as a bonding activity, maybe? I, I don't... That one's a stretch. I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know if you've got that kind of workplace. Maybe you do. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but, uh, but do it. Seems like a lot of fun. Do it by yourself as an afternoon activity while listening to this podcast, if you want to. That's a, you know meta way to make some cheese play this on a loop 
for like six hours and just rack up the numbers for us, whatever it takes. Alexis, thank you again for joining us on No Bad Food. Do you have anything else you want to like mention or plug or anything before we let you go? Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. I would just make one quick uh, mention to the vegan cheese kit because I didn't really get to circle back, but I would say that um, while it's a very different process of cheese making, it's a raw cheese, um, it was just something that we decided to build because there are a lot of people that might be lactose intolerant mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, are, are vegan and they still want to eat cheese. They still want to be able to make cheese. So um, I started dabbling in the world of um, raw uh, vegan cheese making. And, um, you know, uh, it's definitely not, you shouldn't expect it to taste like regular cheese, but um, the, the kit actually makes a really amazing texture and flavor and there's so many great ways to also be experimental with it by adding um, awesome uh, flavors and um, you know it's like it's literally the easiest process ever you just portion out all the ingredients in the kit Um, it comes with cashews so it's a cashew based cheese to try to make it a little bit creamier you can use any nut or seed you want though if you want to blend it with macadamia nuts or you can use like you know, sesame seeds or uh, sunflower seeds. It's really up to you. You can be very experimental. And all you do is put it in a blender, blend it up and pour it in the mold and let it sit. So it's, it's a very, very simple way to make cheese, but it's, um, it's a good experience. And, you know, for, we didn't want to eliminate anyone who, who, you know, tells us all the time, we love cheese, but I can't eat it. So, you know, the vegan kit is just a really great option to have as well, especially for someone in your life that you know that um, loves cheese and uh, can't have it and um, wants a natural version of it. There's lots of versions in the stores and those are great, but there's a lot of additives in it. And this one's just like a really like very basic set of ingredients. So uh, you don't even have to go out and get the milk. It's all there in the kit. So um, yeah, it's just a matter of like putting it all together and blending it up and and that. So I, I do recommend that one as well. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me. It was really fun being on your podcast. We really appreciate it. And um, you know, if anyone ever has any questions, uh, they can reach out. We're, we're going to be selling our kits at markets all across Canada. And we've got kits in lots of retail stores, people that are loving them and want to wholesale them or uh, retail them in their stores. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can always contact us or look on our website for a retailer near you. Amazing. Hello, folks. Welcome to The Mid-Roll, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of November, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. That's like uh, half a ball of French mozzarella if you buy it from the store. <laughs> that's uh, that's one carton of, of uh, unpasteurized whole milk. That's illegal in Quebec, actually. That doesn't exist here. That's one one carton of whole milk, though, here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially an organic one. Especially That 3.8% organic. Oh, we'll, my God. It's so good. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> I might, I might, I might 
I might convert. We might be converting, folks. You heard it here first. Lots of conversion happening in our household these days. So anyway, if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. If you join our Patreon, you'll also get access to our monthly newsletter, the No Bad Food Recipe Club. Each month, we post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. If you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up. It's a really fun way to talk about our favorite food. We have a really nice Discord where we share food photos and talk about the episodes and, you know, sometimes look for guests. So if any of that's interesting, please consider joining up at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. Indeed. Uh, Last but definitely not least, I am very excited to tell you that we have a giveaway happening right now on our Instagram. Thanks to the folks at Cheesemaker, we are giving away a kit for one of their cheesemaking kits to some lucky follower on Instagram. You can get either a fresh mozzarella kit, like the one we're going to talk about in a minute, or a vegan cheese kit if you can't do dairy, because mm-hmm. they've got something for everyone. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly, like, I'm almost more excited about the vegan cheese kit. Because, I think like, it's really cool that it's an option. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I don't need vegan cheese, so I don't think about vegan cheese. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited that they're, like branching out beyond strictly dairy so that the vegans can have something exciting here. And I know that cheese is one of those things that, I mean, and it's not just vegans, right? It's also people who can't tolerate dairy but want to have cheese. Like, Mm -hmm. I know cheese is one of the dairy products that's the hardest to emulate. And I think giving people the option um, of making their own and like letting them join in that experience is really fun. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you are interested in winning a cheese kit, Head to our Instagram page at NoBadFoodPod and, uh, you know, find out how to do it there. May the pods be ever in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so here in the second half of the show, Teffer, you are going to tell me what it was like using one of these cheesemaker kits to make some fresh mozzarella, question mark? I did not make fresh mozzarella. I made ricotta. And I will talk about that. (laughs) And one thing I really appreciate about this kit is that it has an option where if you get to the point where stretching and shaping your mozzarella is making you want to cry, you can tap out (laughs) and make ricotta and still have a satisfactory cheese product. (laughs) I was I was at work working part of the countless hours of too much work that I worked this week and Teffer texted me I think this is going to be ricotta <laughs> and I was like hey that's still cheese <laughs> it's still cheese now okay I want to separate my personal experience from the kit sure. because the issues I had were not the kit's fault <laughs> the issues I had were just that this week was also kind of nuts for me and cheese making is like a, a process like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. an involved process yeah there's a lot to it the kit itself however has everything you need except milk mm-hmm. so all you need is the milk everything else is there for you um you use the highest fat percentage milk available to you the freshest milk available to you if you like i don't know have farmer friends and can get non-homogenized milk for it like that's awesome just like don't drink raw milk that's a whole conversation just like Mm -hmm. parasites suck so yes so we used organic 3.8 percent milk because that was what was available to us Mm -hmm. uh with the highest fat content Mm -hmm. uh oh my god so the only one we could find with that fat content was organic Mm -hmm. uh and we usually don't like 
splash out on organic milk. Like Canadian dairy standards are pretty good. The milk you get in the store. Yeah. Like the milk you get in the store is good um, and fresh and tasty. And dairy is really expensive in Canada already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we usually just do the average milk. Yeah. But holy crap, that is good milk. It was really good. It was really good milk. Like I like whole milk. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole thing about how there are plant milk queers and there are whole milk queers. Sure, sure. I'm definitely a whole milk queer. Same. I really like my whole milk. And this with just like that teeny bit more fat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe something about it being organic meant it was like fresher or like, I don't know. But that's not really what organic means. It was just really good milk. Sure, yeah. Well, it was Quebecois milk, right? Yeah. So it would have been like close. Well, and the thing is like. We had a guest on the show a while back whose parents own two separate dairy farms, yeah. one organic and one not. And like he was telling me that the milk is like nearly identical. Yeah. Well, year. like it's, you know. So like <laughs> quick, quick little sidebar about organic <laughs> farming, because no, because this is something like that I've done a lot of research on. I, yeah. I just like in various food research things, I used to do a lot of research back in school days. Anyway, organic as a title means that the animals, all the feed that they feed on is organic, which Mm -hmm. means no pesticides, no herbicides. In order to be certified organic and have, for example, your animals free range, you need to have a certified organic farmland, which Mm -hmm. means that your farmland hasn't been cultivated with pesticides or herbicides for a certain period of years before you start farming. Um, this, the regulations are very, very tight. Like mm-hmm. you really can't let pesticides or herbicides anywhere near anything. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time when we're talking about animal farming, um, that is really hard and expensive to do. So you end up having non-free range animals because then you can control the feed they get and make sure they get organic feed. Right. Uh, so it's a little tricky. Like yeah. it's a little, there's like a whole balance. I always look for free range first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it's organic or not, meh. But it's just really interesting because as a label, as a branding mm-hmm. uh, technique, it's so successful. Yeah. Like organic produce, like organic, like, I mean, that happened right when we were like teenagers. That happened really in the 2000s. Yeah, organic yeah. became a thing. And while you know that I am like such a big supporter of small farms, I'm such a big supporter of like like sustainable farming practices mm-hmm. and and having ecosystems rather than agriculture right? sure, yeah. or agricultural ecosystems rather. It's interesting to look into organic because it really is like, yes, it's a farming technique, but it is more a branding technique. Yeah. Uh, and it's just fascinating. It's a really, really interesting thing. Well, that's um, it. And like, yeah. like a lot of like what I've heard from a lot of people in Quebec especially is that like for the most part the the big distinction with organic versus non-organic here is just permits yeah yeah and like like I said like you have to get a permit for it it's not always easy to get an organic farm because organic as a movement is fairly new Mm -hmm. and you know it needs to have been not farmed for I can't remember how many years you can look that up um, and yeah, also permits for organic differ from area to area. Yeah, exactly. So depending on where you are, there's going to be stricter or looser regulations around it. That's it. But the the bigger <laughs> yeah. the bigger triumph 
the bigger triumph. The bigger trial here in terms of like finding the right kind of milk for this is not whether or not we can find organic, not whether or not we can find whole milk. It's that you can't get raw milk in Quebec. Yeah. Legally. As in it's, many places. Yeah. Raw milk is is illegal to sell in I think most areas. Sure, yeah. Because it has not been pasteurized. Yeah. And that means you're getting whatever came out of the cow with the milk. Yeah. So the other thing that Alexis recommended was if you can't get raw milk, you uh-huh. get non homogenized, right? Yeah. Which tends to just have the like extra fat layer on the top, right? Yeah, it has exactly. You know, homogenized means that they have emulsified the milk mm-hmm. so that the cream, the fat of the milk, is blended in with the liquid of the milk, right. and that's why you get that like beautiful, rich mouth feel of a yeah. whole milk. That's it. Which we also can't really get here. Yes. <laughs> um, skim milk. Fun fact: mm-hmm. skim milk gets its name uh, because it is the milk that's left when you skim the cream off the top. Hmm. So it's the bad milk. What do you mean by that? Well, isn't it just like the milk without the cream? Like, don't you want the cream? Well, why not if want you want skim milk. Why would I want skim milk, though? Because you're scared of fat. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> I stand yeah. by what I said then. Uh, but anyway, that's why it's called <laughs> skimmed milk. Maybe you just want something that's like, you know, like sometimes you want to, sometimes you want a smart water or not smart water. Sometimes you want, sometimes you want the juice with the fizzy water and sometimes you want the flavored seltzer. Skim milk is the flavored seltzer of the milk world. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I you want a beverage that. that is adjacent to milk. <laughs> it's the La Croix of milks. <laughs> you want some water that milk sneezed on. <laughs> so anyway, that is all a sidebar. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I think sure. it's worth looking into because y- you really probably like this is a time when food is really expensive. Yeah. And I think it's worth being empowered with the knowledge mm-hmm. of what exactly these labels mean and so that you can make an informed decision. That's it. Um, that's always what it's about. Right. However, however, this milk was so, so good. good. So good. It was so Good. I have been enjoying myself so much having this milk. And again, I don't know if it's just the fat percentage. I don't know why you can only get higher fat content with organic milk. I don't know why the standard for whole milk is 3.25, except for the organic milk, which is 3.8. I don't know. Honestly, but it's really good. I would believe that it was just that that organic milk company was like, you know, it might be fun. And made a slightly fatter milk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or maybe they have Jersey cows. I don't know. Who knows? Jerseys make fatter milk. I love Jersey cows. They're my favorite cows. They look like deer, but cows. A question for you, though. So Jersey cows aside. (sighs) I'm never not thinking about them. So the recipe called for four liters of milk. Yes. Did you end up going with my boss's suggestion as well? I did go with your boss's mom's suggestion. All right, shall we go into this process? Let's go into it. Shall we go go into into the process? So initially we got all the milk for it and then we didn't make the cheese. And so we just used the milk in the process of our lives. So then we had to get another batch of milk. uh, And Tom told me... At this point, Tom was going to be making the cheese. So I was not thinking much about it. Sure. Tom told me to get three liters of whole milk, at least 3.5%. And one liter of buttermilk. Mm-hmm. I use buttermilk all the time. Sure. I was like, okay, that sounds yeah. good. Well, and this was my boss's suggestion because right. I had told it him. Wasn't your boss's mom's suggestion? No, no, no. So I had told him that uh, that I was planning to do this. And he was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to make fresh mozzarella in like yeah. a way that's going to be like satisfying and good. But my mom makes fresh ricotta all the time. Yeah. And it turns out great. And her trick is that she uses like three parts milk, one part buttermilk Mm -hmm. to get that extra like tang. I was like, okay, I'm going to steal that. So I did. I did that. 
Mm. And I mentioned before that I have some experience with soft cheese, and that mm. is because I was homeschooled. <laughs> and so we did that cheese experiment that I think everybody does. That's basically just making labna. Like um, you take yogurt and you dump it into a cheesecloth and you mm. leave it overnight. Sure. And then and then you have cheese. Right. And it's like a, a nice tart, like soft cheese. Yeah. But this is not that. This is not my mother's cheese making. This is, uh, you know, proper cheese making. Mm, so mm-hmm. the kit has everything. The kit even has a candy thermometer, which was like so exciting to me because I have never had one and I have really wanted one. And now I have one Yay. and I'm like thrilled and it was really useful and I will definitely use it again. And that's just like it's just a candy thermometer. Like yeah. you just have it now. There was cheesecloth. For if you're using making ricotta, I did not end up using the cheesecloth, but I will explain why that happened. And it was because I was sort of doing this in my own meandering way. <laughs> there is rennet. Uh, rennet initial, originally comes from the lining of calves' stomachs. I don't mm. know if they still make it that way or if they have some other way to make it, but they're little rennet tablets to use. There's citric acid to sour the milk or like curdle the milk initially. And there's uh, cheese making salt, which I have no idea if cheese making salt is special. It just, it's salt, but it might be a special kind of salt. So on their website, it actually specifies that the cheese salt is uh, just non-iodized salt. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So the kit has instructions. I mean, like if you've ever done like a, like a, like a meal box, like it's like that. It's like you get your ingredients and you have your, your process. And it was fairly straightforward to follow. I was doing this during a work day. So I was like working and also making cheese. And so I was a little distracted <laughs> and I was really tired. And it was just like not, I wasn't in the best headspace uh, for cheese making. So like my experience needs to be filtered through that. I think the fact that I still managed to make cheese is like a really great vote of confidence in this kit. It's true. It's a testament to how good these kits yeah. are. <laughs> but um, it's really fun. It's kind of magic because like you put the citric acid in, you heat it. I don't remember all the steps and I'm not going to tell you all the steps because this isn't a how-to. Yeah. But like you do something initially and then you have the curd solidifies. And that's really cool because mm-hmm. you put a pot of milk to cool and then you open it and there's like and it's it's like hard it's like it's not hard it's like jello it's like curd you know it's a soft curd yeah. and whey the curds and the whey have separated it's become a solid a little bit. i think this is where i made my first mistake mm-hmm. okay because they specify like if the curd doesn't look solid enough yet leave it for a couple more minutes mm-hmm. and i was like i don't know if this seems solid enough it seems a little bit loose to me but it is holding together i am able to cut it And I think that if I had left it for, like, five more minutes, the entire process would have been easier. Mm. So, like, go with your gut. If you're like, I don't know if this is ready, like, do leave it a few more minutes. Sure. But again, I was tired. I was cranky. I was feeling, like, a little anxious. And I was like, well, it's been however many minutes, so I'm just going to do it now. Which they specifically tell you not to. But (laughs) so, like, right, this is on me. Did the whole thing strain the curds. So this is, again, where I think I made my second mistake Mm -hmm. they say to use a colander but we didn't have a clean colander and the curds were kind of loose and i was worried that if i put them in a colander they were gonna just fall through sure yeah yeah. so i did it in a fine mesh strainer instead Mm -hmm. i think that was fine this is also why i ended up not using the cheesecloth 
Because I already had it in a fine mesh strainer. Right, yeah, yeah. And I left it, and I think... So, again, back to the source of I didn't let the curds solidify enough. (laughs) By the time I had strained the curds, they still had a lot of whey in them, Mm. which meant they tasted really sour. Okay, okay. I thought it was the buttermilk's fault. And so the first time I tried to shape it, I, like, tried. I couldn't get it to the right consistency. I couldn't get it pulling. And then I tasted it, and it was really sour, and I had to go somewhere. And so I was like, okay, I'm putting this in the strainer over a bowl. I'm covering it. I'm putting it in the fridge, and I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. Sure, yeah. Again, like, that was okay. Like, this is this is a, a complicated process, but I do think it's a fairly forgiving process. Mm. I'm I'm really good at doing a lot of things. <laughs> I'm really bad at not being good at things. <laughs> so, like, when I'm out of my comfort zone learning something, I'm so cranky. <laughs> and, like, I do have, you know, I'm comfortable in the kitchen. It's not like it was, like, completely out of my comfort zone. But for whatever reason, it just, like, tripped that switch yeah. in me where I was like, I'm not supposed to be doing <laughs> It psyched you out. It really did. It really (laughs) did. So, like, again, the fact that I managed it is really impressive. This kit is really, I think, dummy proof. It's really, like, it's, it's like, it's, like, anxiety attack proof. So, the next day, I had the strained curds. They tasted much better. Mm -hmm. They had poured out another, like, half liter of whey, I think. Like, it was, it was clear at that point where I had gone wrong. And so I took another portion and I heated it. So one thing, right, microwaves all differ. And with our microwave, it took much longer than the stated time. I actually think, in retrospect, I should have done the first uh, option they suggest, which is to heat the whey and to soften the curds in that. I think if I had Mm. done that, it would have been a lot less stressful for me because I would have been able to, like, watch it a lot more carefully. Sure, yeah. Um, But I was, like, so nervous about overheating it in the microwave that I think I did not heat it enough Mm -mm. to melt. So I tried shaping it again because this time at least it tasted good. Right. When I was close to tears, I decided that we were going to have ricotta instead. And fair enough. Because it already looked like ricotta. Like I was trying to shape it and I was like, this looks like beautiful ricotta. (laughs) And like, I like ricotta. We all like ricotta. Yeah. I am just going to make this ricotta. So I made a decision. There you go. And I mixed it all up and I added a little salt. Uh, And it is so good. Yeah. It's so yummy. I made a pasta with like uh, lemon zest and ricotta and garlic and uh, added just like a little bit of like whatever grated cheese we had in the fridge to Mm. to make it a little stretchy. Um, But it was really like a couple tablespoons. Mm. Uh, It was so good. Yeah. It's like it's such a nice ricotta. And I really like ricotta. Um, So I think that if cheese making is something you're interested in. This is, like, such a good kit for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that could be really fun. Just, like, don't do what I did. And it was satisfying. It is sure, satisfying yeah. to be like, oh, I made ricotta. Like, that's right. cool. I really wish that I had done it on, like, a day oh. when I had time. I mean, I wish that <laughs> I wish that we had done it together on, like, a day that we're both home. Yeah, well, initially we were going to do it on the weekend with the kids. It was yeah. going to be great. I think that would have been so it fun. It would have been so much fun. And then we were just exhausted and cranky and decided not to. Um, yeah, so <laughs> if I could even make it in my grouchy little demand avoidance <laughs> state <laughs> and find it satisfying, 
I, I did. Like, it was really, it was gratifying. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in cheese making, this is like a fantastic starter kit because it really has everything you need. If you're just one of those people who wants to get into the guts of how everything you make, everything you eat is made, really fantastic experience. Yeah, great thing to do with kids. Like, super fun experience. Sure, yeah. I also think I'm not good at doing math in my head. And I don't have the exact weight of the ricotta that I made, but eyeballing it, I think it was cheaper than buying it at the store, even though we bought a lot of milk for it. Possibly. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, because that's like definitely at least two containers of ricotta at the store. Sure, yeah. Um, Which I think are usually like $8 each minimum. Yeah. Well, I know like when, when I was thinking about the price of the kit, it's $50 for the mozzarella and ricotta kit. But that makes, I believe, 40 batches. And each batch is like, you know, a pound of cheese. So you're looking at probably like two or three balls of mozzarella. Yeah. Oh, a pound of cheese. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. 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 And when I think about 40 times a pound, 40 pounds of fresh balls of mozzarella, one fresh ball of mozzarella at my store sells for like, I think the lowest I've ever seen is $8.99. Yeah. And I don't think that's the current price. because. The prices have gone up. So if you're paying 50 bucks once, mm-hmm. even if every time you make those batches of 40, you're spending another $8 on milk. You'd be spending more like two, it would be two of the two liters of milk. Yeah. So it would be more like 10, 12, depending on your store. Sure. And your prices. But still. Still. That's still. That's it's so still much. cost effective. Yeah, that's yeah. so much less, especially if you yeah. make all 40 batches, right? Exactly. Like yeah. it's not, it's not like you, <laughs> you're not going to make all 40 batches in one sitting. It's going to yeah. take a while for that that cost to to you know add up or whatever but like it's objectively a fantastic deal and they also (laughs) say you can store it in the freezer yeah um so you know make it freeze it if you don't go through a pound of ricotta in a week which we usually don't i'm gonna have to figure that one out pancakes lasagna oh we'll eat it (laughs) we'll eat it you're just gonna i'm just gonna find you eating it with a spoon i couldn't do that eating ricotta with a spoon nope 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 can't do that i have I know. So anyway, <laughs> highly recommend it. And uh, if you're interested, like we said in the middle of the show, you can potentially win one of these kits. Yeah, get on the Instagram giveaway. Do uh, it. Win it. Try it. I would love it, actually, if somebody dairy-free or vegan wins the mm-hmm. vegan kit and then tells us how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I'm not going to do it personally because I know we're not going to eat it because we're sure. a dairy family, but yeah. I really want to know about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you are someone who would prefer to have the mozzarella kit and you win, we'll respect that. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. If you want milk, <laughs> that's okay. We respect milk. Yeah. We respect milk of all kinds in this home, whether it comes from a Jersey cow or an oat or even soy. Even soy. All milks are beautiful. All milks are beautiful. And just because my preference is the fattiest whole milk doesn't mean that macadamia isn't beautiful, too. Does macadamia make a milk? Oh, go to go to milk and get a macadamia nut latte, baby. They're wonderful. Ooh, I just assumed that it was like macadamia flavoring. I didn't realize it was no, macadamia it's milk. No, macadamia milk. Ooh. Because macadamias have a high fat content, so they make yeah. a fatty milk. Ooh. I've had hazelnut milk. It's pricey, but it's so yummy. I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, 
I know what I have to do this week is try some fancy yeah. nut milks, I guess. We can go tomorrow if you want. Yeah, yeah maybe. I always just thought soy milk was milk introducing itself in Spanish. Yeah, it's Spanish milk. Gracias for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. Don't forget to follow our Instagram page at No Bad Food Pod to learn about the giveaway so that you can win yourself a cheese kit from the folks at Cheesemaker. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Nell, Carol Ann, Rachel, and Aslam. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. Do you want us to do a whole episode about soy milk? We could. Soy milk? No soy milk. <laughs> soy top. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. And of course, you can always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Or hey, getting involved with our Instagram giveaway. Give us a little boost over there. Yeah. Our theme music is by Zach, Curds and Way, Ingles, and our cover art is by David, Overnight Cheesebag, Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, the show was produced by me, Tom Zalatni, and you, Tevra Jimian, and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. This thing on? Yes. Oniric. Notes to Oniric, Day 1. By Tefer Troy, Doctoral Candidate, Alternative Narrative Traditions, Université de Montréal, October 12, 683. Oniric. Hello, Deirdre. I hope you're well. I'm recording this now because today's a big day. I'm meeting with a talking wolf after lunch. I'm a bit nervous about it. Oniric, a flame that rides the winds of words. A flame that seeks a single torch. The torch burns bright. The torch burns out. The flame remains and rides anew. Oniric, it's a dream quest. It's a grail quest. It's a fever dream. Quest. Oniric. Just say hi. Please. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. For fuck's sake. Hi, Deirdre. Hope you're well. You're well rid of this idiot. Oniric. Coming fall 2023 in the Podcavern and wherever you get your podcasts. In 2017, Universal Studios announced The Dark Universe, an ambitious project that would see all of their classic movie monsters come together like some kind of horror Avengers. Only one movie was ever made, which bombed so hard they canceled the entire franchise. 
But what if they hadn't? On our podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, we imagine the connected horror universe that never was. Every week, one of us pitches the other on the next movie in the universe until we grow to Marvel proportions and beyond. So far, we've tackled Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and many more, and we're just getting started. Follow along on your favorite podcast app and ask yourself the question... Are you afraid of the dark universe?